Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I pray you're well. I'm happy to be with you. We needed to run an encore yesterday, but I'm, I'm so thrilled to be live with you. And most of these days going forward, we will be live. So I'm, I'm thrilled and I do pray you're well. And uh, this Sunday will be Gaudauti Sunday. Um, and uh, it'll show that we're halfway through the Advent season. And uh, that will be um, the 17th of December, which is also when the O antiphons begin. Um, if you're not sure about the O antiphons, they uh, begin every verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, and uh, this is historic, and it's very beautiful. Special reading, special scriptures, special prayers from the 17th right up to Christmas Eve. Really special, and you should go through it with your family together with the Advent wreath. Um, If you're not sure what they are, most of you have received our newsletter by now, and we have a two-page spread on the O antiphons explaining what they are, telling you what they are in English, um, and the words of the hymn as well, English and Latin, and the words of the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's wonderful to know that. If you have not received our newsletter yet, uh, it's sent out in bulk mail. Some get it in a day or two. Some get it two weeks later. We have no control over that. But you can go to our website, and the newsletter, uh, the Christmas newsletter, is on our homepage. So um, I think I, we send out one email past that. So scroll down a little bit on motherofisraelshope.org, and you can download or read online the entire newsletter and you can go straight to the O antiphons and celebrate them. Um, if you're not on our newsletter, you're welcome again to go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org. And um, toward the right, you'll see a newsletter link. Just click on that and you could sign up for email and or regular mail. Um, we're happy to have you. We don't charge uh, we like to send out four a year. In the last two years, we've sent out only the Christmas newsletter, for which reason we've made it very large. And so um, uh, I hope you've received it. Uh, there's also a product um, brochure in that newsletter. Um, we have uh, gathered together books and DVDs and um, holy cards and CDs and pamphlets and for for 15 years that we have in our different places from St. Louis to Tulsa to Kansas to Texas and we've gathered everything we have in excess uh, including the unplanned video um, that we received a huge donation and so we received it free and we're giving it to you free. If you haven't seen the film or you want to get it for someone considering an abortion, it is outstanding. And all you have to do is ask for it, and we will put it in the mail to you. So um, you can go online and see our order form, 
or if you got the newsletter, you can use it. I, I need to make one more announcement. Sorry, normally I don't make all these announcements, but we have till the end of this month to sell or move our two mobile homes that we lived in for less than a year. They were manufactured in May of 2020. We moved into them two months later. So brand new. We lived in them for less than a year. We put custom blinds in on all the windows and uh, they're perfectly clean. They, they're brand new. They look brand new. We had an agent in there and he said, my goodness, these are brand new homes. I said, yes, we took care of them. Only a few of us, but we lived in them for under a year and we bought them for 125000 each. And um, together with septic tanks and air conditioning and all of that, it was 150000 each. And we're selling them for exactly half, 75000 each. And again, it includes the septic and the air conditioning units and the blinds and all the utilities and everything. So, um, or, or 70. We, we, want, we, we would like to have some finances from it because we need them, but we'll sell them for 70. So um, they're here in Winona. And if you are moving to Winona or moving to the Tyler area or anywhere and you like one or two mobile homes, uh, give us an email, mail, M-A-I-L, mail at motherofisraelshope.org or go through the Station of the Cross, mother at the station of the cross.com, and let me know. Include your email and your phone number um, and I'll get back to you right away. Um, we, we, we're doing this solo um, because uh, we need to move them by the end of this month. And so um, give us uh, an email. I, the only phone we have right now is my cell phone, and I, I don't want to give that out over the air. Uh, let me see. Hold on a minute. Let me just re, redo this. It looks like, it looks like our um, video is not working. Let me just try to connect it one more time. Hold on. Um, all right. So do that today. So maybe you have mobile homes, but you'd like uh, yours is broken down and you want a brand new one. Oh, I didn't tell you. It's five bedrooms, three baths, 2,100 uh, square feet, um, uh, 2,000 rather, 2,100. Uh, that's a 2,100 square feet, um, five bedrooms, three baths uh, with custom made blinds on all the windows and, it, and a little staircase going up to each home. Not a porch, but a staircase. So um, let me know right away if you even want to consider this because um, the first one who says we'd like them, one or two, and uh, we can have them off the land by the end of this month, will accept that offer uh, because we must have them. The, the, the landowners um, have been very gracious to us uh, in extending the time that we can move them. So we need to do this. Okay. God bless you. Happy Advent. And I've already taken up uh, seven minutes. So let's go um, to the most beautiful um, chapter of Dom Garanger's liturgical year on the mystery of Advent. We've been reading and completed the history of Advent. The mystery of Advent is very, very beautiful. 
written in the 1800s, and Dom Geringer says, If, now that we have described the characteristic features of Advent, which distinguish it from the rest of the year, we would penetrate into the profound mystery which occupies the mind of the church during this season. We find that this mystery of the coming, or Advent, which is what Advent means, the coming of Jesus, is at once simple and threefold. It is simple, for it is the one same Son of God that is coming. It is threefold, because he comes at three different times and in three different ways. In the first coming, says St. Bernard, and we have some of this also in our newsletter, he comes in the flesh and in weakness. In the second, he comes in spirit and in power. And in the third, he comes in glory and in majesty. The second coming is the means whereby we pass from the first to the third. This, then, is the mystery of Advent. Let us now listen to the explanation of this threefold visit of Christ given to us by Peter of Blois in his third sermon, De Adventu. Quote, There are three comings of our Lord, the first in the flesh, the second in the soul, the third at the judgment. The first was at midnight, according to those words of the gospel, quote, at midnight there was a cry made, lo, the bridegroom cometh. But this first coming is long since past, for Christ has been seen on the earth and has conversed among men. We are now in the second coming, provided only we are such as that he may thus come to us. For he has said that if we love him, he will come unto us, and will take up his abode with us, so that this second coming is full of uncertainty to us. For who, save the Spirit of God, knows them that are of God? They are that raised, they that are raised out of themselves by the desire of heavenly things, know indeed when he comes. But whence he cometh, or whither he goeth, they know not. And I'm part of the second coming. And everyone listening to me, who has given their lives to Christ, in his church, baptized, confirmed, living the life of a true Christian is in the second coming. Because he has come to you in baptism and you have not shut him out through mortal sin. As for the third coming, it is most certain that it will be most uncertain when it will be. I'll repeat that. And for the third coming, it is most certain that it will be most uncertain when it will be. Nothing is more sure than death and nothing less sure than the hour of death. When they shall say, peace and security, says the apostle, then shall sudden destruction come upon them as the pains upon her that is with child and they shall not escape, so that the first coming was humble and hidden. The second is mysterious and full of love. The third will be majestic and terrible. In his first coming, Christ was judged by men unjustly. In his second, he renders us just by his grace. And in his third, he will judge all things with justice. In his first, a lamb, In his last, a lion. In the one between the two, the tenderest of friends. 
Isn't it beautiful, beloved? I think we read part of this last week. I could read that paragraph over a hundred times. It's so beautiful. We'll be right back after the break. Act of consecration to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee, and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servants, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage, thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins, the grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses that prevaricator and proud angel that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. St. Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she. And I am live, and I'm so happy to be with you. And following the next break, we have a half hour all to ourselves. Our phone lines will be open, and you're welcome to call in even now if you wish to hold on a while um, at the toll-free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to continue with um, Dom Prosper Garanger's article on the mystery of Advent. <clears throat> written in the 1800s. He says the Holy Church, therefore, during Advent, awaits in tears and with ardor the arrival of her Jesus in his first coming. For this she borrows the fervid expressions of the prophets to which she joins her own supplications. These longings for the Messiah expressed by the Church are not a mere commemoration of the desires of the ancient Jewish people, they have a reality and efficacy of their own, an influence in the great act of God's munificence, whereby, <clears throat> whereby he gave us his own son. From all eternity, the prayers of the ancient Jewish people and the prayers of the Christian church ascended together 
to the prescient hearing of God. And it was after receiving and granting them that he sent in the appointed time that blessed do, capital D, upon the earth, which made it bud forth the Savior. The church aspires also to the second coming, the consequence of the first, which consists, as we have, as we have just seen, in the visit of the bridegroom to the bride. This coming takes place each year at the feast of Christmas, when the new birth of the Son of God delivers the faithful from that yoga bondage under which the enemy would oppress them. That's the actual colic from, for, of Christmas Day, beloved. The church, therefore, during Advent, prays that she may be visited by him who is her head and her spouse, visited in her hierarchy, visited in her members, of whom some are living and some are dead, but may come to life again, visited, lastly, in those who are not in communion with her and even in the very infidels, that so they may be converted to the true light which shines even for them. The expressions of the liturgy which the church makes use of to ask for this loving and invisible coming are those which she employs when begging for the coming of Jesus in the flesh. For the two visits are for the same object. In vain would the Son of God have come 1,900 years ago to visit and save mankind unless he came again for each one of us and at very moment at every moment of our lives, bringing to us and cherishing within us that supernatural life of which he and his Holy Spirit are the sole principle. Beloved, are you a true Christian? Do you have the fullness of the faith in the church our Lord established, the Catholic Church? If he lives within you, you have every bit of every syllable I just read in you. But this annual visit at Christmas, this annual visit of the spouse, does not content the church. She aspires after a third coming, which will complete all things by opening the gates of eternity. <clears throat> she has caught up the last words of her spouse. Surely I am coming quickly from Revelation 22. And she cries out to him, Ah, Lord Jesus, come. She is impatient to be loosed from her present temporal state. She longs for the number of the elect to be filled up and to see appear in the clouds of heaven the sign of her deliverer and her spouse. Her desires expressed by her Advent liturgy go even as far as this. And here we have the explanation of these words of the beloved disciple in his prophecy. Revelation 19, quote, The nuptials of the Lamb are come, and his wife hath prepared herself. But the day of this, his last coming to her, will be a day of terror. The church frequently trembles at the very thought of that awful judgment in which all mankind is to be tried. She calls it a day of wrath on which, as David and the Sibyl have foretold, the world will be reduced to ashes, a day of weeping and of fear, end quote. Not that she fears for herself, since she knows that this day will be forever secure for her, will forever secure for her the crown as being the bride of Jesus. But her maternal heart is troubled at the thought that on the same day so many of her children will be on the left hand of the judge and having no share with the elect, will be bound hand and foot and cast into the darkness 
where there shall be everlasting weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the reason why the church in the liturgy of Advent so frequently speaks of the coming of Christ as a terrible coming and selects from the scriptures those passages so frequently speaks of the coming of Christ as a terrible coming and selects from the scriptures those passages which are most calculated to awaken a salutary fear in the minds of such of our children as may be sleeping the sleep of sin. Beloved, I mentioned earlier that this Sunday is Gaudaute Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, and instead of the purple candle, will be lit the rose candle, and the vestments of the priests will be rose um, as a sign of um, celebration that we are halfway to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as a tiny babe, um, his first coming the Savior of the world who came to die for us and gives life to all who will come to him. If you have not come to him, beloved, you have two weeks between now and Christmas to give him your life, to go to a Catholic church. If you're not Catholic, to ask for instruction, to enter the church. If you are Catholic but are away from the church or living in sin um, and you have separated from yourself from the love of God, and you are therefore on your way to hell. You have these two weeks to go to a priest and go to confession and get right with God and be reunited as his child and come to heaven whenever he comes in his third coming. You will be a fool. You will be a fool to wait and to not be reconciled with God. Psalm 14 or 13 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if you stay away from the confessional and you live in mortal sin or you're living in sexual intimacy outside of marriage or you've decided to distort uh, or ruin God's special creation through uh, gender ideology or transhumanism or all of that, you are in mortal sin. If you are a Catholic, you are in grave, grave sin. And you have these two weeks to go to confession and get right with God. It's never too late. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters because you've separated yourself from God and you're on your way to hell. But God has prepared heaven for you. And you can have it by simply repenting. Repenting. Going to confession. Go to a good holy priest. If you can, go to a Latin mass. If not, go to a good holy novus auto mass go directly to the priest um, let him give you instruction and bring you into the church and and forgive your sins god alone forgives sins but he has chosen to forgive our sins through the priesthood that he inaugurated we are not to tell him how he should forgive our sins god has told us how god has done everything from the beginning of time, both for Israel and for uh, Israel fulfilled in its Messiah, which is the church. He has told us from the beginning that he has a ministerial priesthood through whom he comes to us. We are the, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, the ordinary priesthood, 
the common priesthood, that's the word, the priesthood of, of the saints on earth, the priesthood of those who are uh, given to God, the priesthood of the redeemed on earth. But the ministerial priesthood, which God established in Exodus chapter 19, before Mount Sinai, Israel was a common priesthood set aside to bring the world to God. And yet God put a ministerial priesthood over them to lead his people. He did the same. He did not change that when he came through the Jews, through Israel, for Israel, and for the entire world. He did not change that. Peter says in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you, he repeats the words of Exodus chapter 19. You, he's talking to the first Christians, all Jews, because Christianity is a Jewish faith. He said, you are a holy priesthood set apart for God. And we are that. We are the common priesthood of God. A prophet brings God to the people. A priest brings the people to God. And that's our vocation, to be a holy priesthood. And yet God inaugurated the new priesthood of God at the Last Supper. And the 12 apostles, one defected, 11 apostles, became priests. And the 12th was added, St. Matthias, later on. Those disciples at the Last Supper God inaugurated the priesthood of the new covenant spoken by Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, the new covenant in his blood, not the blood of a million Old Testament lambs that are dead, but the blood of the Lamb of God who rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. That is the ministerial priesthood over the common priesthood. God has not changed his plan. Everything in the Old Covenant points to the New. Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster, our tutor to lead us to Christ, who was the final lamb, the lamb to which every Old Testament lamb pointed, the only lamb whose sacrifice could atone for our sins. There's no other plan, beloved. There's no other truth. God established his church Bishop Strickland is a thousand percent right when he said that God it is, not men, who gave us the deposit of faith. Jude calls, St. Jude calls it the faith once delivered to the saints. And that is the deposit of faith which God gave. This is not a man-made religion. God gave it. God gave us the faith. God chose the disciples, the apostles, who wrote the scriptures. The church came before the scriptures. The apostles were chosen, and it is from them the scriptures came. They are the early church. Israel transformed into the new covenant by the Lamb of God at the Last Supper. And so the, 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 instrument, the institution of the Eucharist in his blood, he hadn't even died yet, and yet he celebrated the Eucharist. He took at the Last Supper unleavened bread, and he held bread, and it was called at the Passover, the bread of affliction. And he held that bread in his hand, and he said over that bread, this is my body. And just as the moon and the sun and the stars obeyed, bread obeyed and became his body. St. Augustine said at the Last Supper, our Lord held himself in his own hands. And when he took up the chalice and said, this is the blood of the new covenant, blood, wine, obeyed and became his blood. And that was the first Mass. And he said to all his disciples, Do this 
do meaning sacrifice. Do this in remembrance of me. And the Mass has continued from that point through 2,000 years, beloved. This is the church our Lord established, not 50,000 denominations sprung from it. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Joe McLean here, host of A Catholic Take, heard on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. A bold synthesis of information and inspiration, keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous Catholic perspective. That's A Catholic Take, weekday morning, 7 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Download it today. God love you. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, yearly host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern to welcome back Franciscan Father Francisco Nahoe. We'll be talking about a pilgrim's confession, finding life in the sacraments in Rome. Don't miss out. Join us on The Catholic Current on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear family, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I'm always thrilled about this time. It's my favorite time. And um, whatever you have on your heart, it doesn't have to be our subject, but yours. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever. Toll free, one 877 5483 or email at mother at We have an email from Charlotte. <clears throat> And Charlotte says, Mother, my spiritual life has grown over 40 years. However, in the past several months, when I'm in prayer or saying the rosary, I cry sometimes deeply. Any advice? I don't know why you cry, um, Charlotte. I don't know if it's for love of God uh, or it's for Uh, feeling distant from him. I don't know why. If you're crying uh, because you love him, uh, no matter how deeply you cry, that's a grace from God. That's a gift from God. If you're crying because prayer isn't what you wish it to be, uh, 
that's another matter, and you need to trust God and get a couple of good books on how to pray and not worry about an emotional experience when you pray. So I, I don't know what you're saying right there. Maybe you could send another email, Charlotte, and be a little more clear. She says, I surrendered to Jesus and prayed to the Father to draw me closer, and I want to do his will in all things. Thank you, Charlotte. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, so far, I see no issue with your email. Um, again, I don't know why you're crying. If you could, if you could tell me that, I might, I might be able to help in some way. Um, if you, if tears just come, and you don't know why, well, that's that. I would just leave that as a gift from God, of love. Um, and so, um, I don't know what else, dear one. If you have these kinds of questions and you want to be more personal about your prayer life or other things, you probably, possibly could seek out a spiritual director that could help you grow even further, Charlotte. Or send another email and, and let me know a little, in, little more clearly what your, what your situation is. <clears throat> We have an email from Deborah who says, Mother, my husband and I are converts to Catholicism. After decades of the Novus Ordo Mass, we began attending an Institute of Christ the King's Sovereign Priest Parish, off and on due to many concerns. And then during the COVID shutdowns, we began attending their TLM, that is traditional Latin Masses, solely. It was heaven on earth to keep this short. Well, Deborah, I understand and you could hardly find better than the Institute of Christ the King's Sovereign Priest. <clears throat> Deborah says, we have moved, we have now moved out of state, but can still find a diocesan TLM, traditional Latin Mass, within driving distance, so that's great. My question is, when local Novus Ordo Masses are the only option, we both, my husband is more concrete on this, but I totally agree, we both find the local masses to truly be scandalous and offensive for many reasons. And she lists women on the altar, Eucharistic ministers that apparently have min minimal understanding of the gravity of their role, extraneous and individualized prayers during the litany, liturgy by the priest, in addition to many other painful things. I know it is possible to find sacred and appropriate Novus Ordo Mass, but not in our vicinity that we know of. We no longer feel we can participate in these bizarre services. Is this wrong? No, it absolutely is not wrong at all. That would be very painful for me too, and it's painful for many, many people. Um, it, it's not just scandalous. It is um, an abomination. It is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's an abuse of the Mass, of the holiness of the Eucharist. The priest is not to do his own thing. The priest is to do what Christ has given us, not invent. And she says, thank you, Mother. You've been an inspiration to me for many years. Well, dear Deborah, um, you say that, um, uh, let's see, you can still find a diocesan TLM within driving distance. Um, I would visit each local Novus Ordo Mass once to see if I could bear going there because the Eucharist is valid. And I would visit them each once 
And if what you just described is the case, I would not visit them a second time. Um, but I'd visit them all once to see if there is one that is tolerable for you. And if not, you say you can still find um, diocin TLM within driving distance, diocin. Well, if that's the case, I, you didn't say how far it is, but it's within driving distance. I would do that every day, um, unless the diocesan TLM is only on Sundays. I would be amazed if they have a traditional Latin Mass on Sundays and such abuse and scandalous celebration of the Mass during the week. Um, I'm going to tell you one thing that, um, um, again, if you can drive to the TLM during the week, uh, we would do that. We we dr- need to drive um, round trip an hour and a half every day to get the TLM in our community. Um, so I understand um, we it's 40, 45 minutes each way for us. So it, it, hold on a moment. Hold on a minute. Let me turn my... Uh, okay, we have a walkie-talkie around here. Um, so uh, we know, and, and that's uh, the difficult it takes up between the mass time and the travel and a couple of other things on the way. It takes up an entire morning. We don't have breakfast every day till between 11 and noon. And we leave at 7 a.m. So um, it's, it's a sacrifice. So I understand that. Uh, there's something else um, that I learned while I was at Catholic Answers on canon law. If you have not been to Mass, canon law allows you... Now, I hope it hasn't changed. If it's changed, then I'm going to be wrong but I'm telling you what was the case, uh, and I don't know that it's changed. If you have not been to Mass, canon law permits you to walk into a church at the time of communion. Now, I don't want to leave people wrong, not just because this may be wrong. Again, the last time I looked, it was correct, but because we should attend the full Mass. But in a situation like you described... Um, we can go in time for the Eucharist to be uh, distributed. We can go walk into a church and get on the communion line and receive Holy Communion, even if we've not even been in the pew. We can walk right in, join the communion line, and receive Holy Communion, and then maybe go back to the pew and pray and wait for the end of the Mass. Canon law allows that. If we are going to receive for the second time in a day, we need to be there for the entire Mass. So um, if anyone's listening and you're um, scandalized by this, look up canon law. And if, um, and that was, it should have been 1983 canon law because that's when I was with Catholic Answers. And so um, that's the latest. If, if there's anything wrong with it, call in, tell me, email and we'll correct this. Um, many priests don't even know this um, because I walked into a church one day just that way only because I couldn't get there in time. And the priest said, you can't do this. And I printed out canon law that showed him that we can. He's a very good holy priest. He just didn't know. So um, 
this may cause a lot of trouble that I'm announcing this over the air. It shouldn't cause trouble uh, at all. Uh, canon law is canon law and is written for the holiness of the whole church. So take a look. I'm going to look it up after the program to make sure it hasn't been changed. But know in advance that if it's wrong, don't tell me it's wrong. Show me it's wrong. Show me from the 1983 last canon law that it has been changed or that it's wrong um, or whatever it is. And I will absolutely correct that. Um, there may be bishops and priests who are very angry right now that I've said this because they don't want that happening. Well, that I understand, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And if it's right and you, dear priest, choose to continue such abuses during the Mass and doing your own thing that the Church has not authorized, um, you're not doing the, the Novus Ordo is the Mass of Paul VI, and you're not doing that if you're doing what this woman uh, described. So you can get angry at it, but the better thing for you to do would be to look it up and to show us we're wrong. Uh, and then, because we will obey the church. Um, but I would not sit through what that woman has described either. So, okay. We have an email from Trisha. I, I, I'm going to gather, um, I'm talking to my producer, dear James, that, you might get a lot of feedback on this one, but we, we need to know what we need to obey, and we obey the church. We don't obey the whims of different uh, people, even in hierarchy or ministry. We obey canon law. Um, and so, again, uh, I'm going to make sure of this after the program, and if I'm wrong, let me know. All right. We have an email from Tricia, <clears throat> who says, My Protestant and Lutheran friends put a white candle in the center of their Advent wreath. But I have not seen Catholics do that. Is this something I might have missed? You might have missed it. It's also Catholic. Lutherans and Protestants, uh, I don't know who did it first, but if you look up Catholic Advent wreaths, you will see many of them that have a white candle in the middle of them. It's a Christ candle. The tradition of Advent is to have three purple and one rose candle, each candle representing the four weeks of Advent and each week of Advent representing a thousand years prior to Christ. Um, so the purple candles are lit on the first, second, and fourth Sundays of Advent and the rose candle, the third Sunday of, candle, of Advent, which is coming up for us this Sunday, uh, a Laudate Sunday, uh, Rejoicing Sunday, that we're halfway to the coming of Christ. Um, following Advent, it is common to put a white, thick white Christ candle, um, either in the middle of your Advent wreath or separately, because Christ has come, and so he replaces the Advent wreath. I, I, that's the only thing I know about the white candle. We don't do it. We do have a Christ candle uh, as of Christmas Eve, but we don't do it during Advent. But I've seen it a lot, so I think it's fine. Um, but again, I don't know if the white candle is lit during Advent um, because we don't want very much, we don't even want lights on our tree at least lit during Advent because our Lord hasn't come yet. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, <clears throat> I'm looking for a spiritual director. We are raising our son in the faith. 
He attends a classical Catholic school. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's nothing better than homeschool. Nothing. Nothing that will match it for the soul of a child. If it's a good classical Catholic school, that's the best, I think. That's the best you could find. A classical Catholic school, uh, rather than a traditional Catholic school, a classical Catholic school certainly teaches the traditional Catholic faith, but they don't just teach facts. They teach children how to think, how to make decisions, the principles of learning, not just memorizing. So um, it's very, very good. Now, that's just two sentences into a, a longer email. I'll continue with this email following the break, beloved. And you're welcome to call in. It'll be our last segment. We'll have 10 minutes. Our line's still open. And you're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your hearts. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at We'll be right back. Host of The Simple Truth heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple Truth weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I'm a widower, parent of three almost adults, and listen to you guys around the clock. Father McTigg, Society of Jesus, he's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things that Station of the Cross does. So thanks very much for your great work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started, and I was so excited I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed, by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. The Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she. And I've just been looking up um, 
on Catholic Answers, uh, if I'm late for Mass, can I re- still receive communion? Um, we won't have time for me to look this up and read the articles, but uh, if you want to affirm what I've said or show that I'm wrong, go to catholic.com and type in arriving late for Mass and receiving communion in their search box, and, um, and you might... Uh, hold on a moment now. Hold on one minute. One moment. My laptop is going to run out of battery. Um, And so take a look at it yourself. Uh, Jimmy Aiken has answered this uh, on Catholic.com. And I wouldn't have said it if I didn't affirm it while I was a Catholic Answers. But again, if the church has changed anything since then... I don't know, and it's very important that we get this right. So just before the break, we started with an email written by someone who writes it anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm looking for a spiritual director. We are raising our son in the faith. He attends a classical Catholic school. I'm learning that I don't quite have a solid foundation, and I still have a lot of Protestant understanding of things. I converted from evangelical Protestantism 22 years ago, and I did not receive a solid catechesis in college, RCIA. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear ones. I'm so sorry. Hang on a second. I'll bring that back. Hold on one moment. I'm working with a new laptop, and it's doing its own thing. Okay. Um, Okay, I've got it back. My husband was raised Catholic, but he is not really practicing as he should. He does not really like discussing it with me, oh dear, and answering my questions. That is so tragic. He says to ask Father after the Mass. I listen to many Catholic podcasts and read a lot of articles. I've realized how little I really know. And the more I learn, the more I desire to deepen my faith. I asked my parish priest if he would be willing to advise me. He said he was too busy to take me on. And I completely understand as we have a huge growing parish. Our other priest is young, brand new, and just getting used to things at our parish, he was ordained this year. He recommended I look to the Jesuit fathers. I'm a bit concerned about that because they can be rather liberal in their thinking. I was wondering if you had advice or knew of something in the Fort Worth area who is of a more, someone in the Fort Worth area who is of a more traditional leaning to take me on for spiritual direction. I don't know many people in the area. Thank you and God bless. Well, dear one, um, it's amazing that after 22 years you still have a lot of Protestant leaning, but I understand that having come from a, um, an evangelical background myself. Um, if you have... Um, um, a large well, I don't know if you attend the Novus Ordo or the Latin Mass, 
my first recommendation would be to go to a Latin church. Do what you can to find a traditional Latin mass, either a diocesan Latin mass or the Fraternity of St. Peter or the um, Institute of Christ the King's Sovereign Priest. I can't think of any other offhand. There are others. And so my first thought would be go to a Latin church and ask the priest to instruct both you and your husband together. And I would beg your husband to join you because he doesn't know his faith. He's not practicing his faith as the head of the family uh, who promised to raise his children Catholic at your marriage. He's not going to raise them Catholic if he doesn't know or practice or discuss the faith. It's very important for his soul, for his salvation, and for both of you. So I would find a good Latin priest and tell them your situation and ask him not, you don't want to go to an RCA class, RCIA. Go to a good priest um, and ask him to personally instruct you and your husband. That's what you need. And um, don't beg your husband, don't complain, uh, no emotion. Just say, sweetheart, we vowed to raise our children Catholic, and I don't know my faith well enough, and you don't know it. And we can't raise our children Catholic if we're not willing to discuss the faith. It should be the first thing on our hearts. We should be paying the rosary every night. And you can't be head of the family if you don't know it and you're not discussing it. You, not me, should be the teacher of our family. So try doing that as gently. Tell him that you need him. Don't put him down for not doing his role. He probably doesn't know. Um, but talk to him respectfully and telling him how much you need him to lead you and to lead the family. And do the best you can to find a good Latin priest. I don't know the Fort Worth area uh, well enough. I don't know it at all to tell you uh, good priests there. Um, I wonder if Irving, California, or Irving, Texas is in the Fort Worth Diocese because there's a wonderful modern day, there's a wonderful Latin parish in Irving, Texas. See how far that is from you. Um, other than that, look up traditional Latin mass in the Diocese of Fort Worth. But even if you have to drive uh, an hour or more, two hours to a Latin mass on Sunday, I would do that and uh, ask the priest if he could teach both of you. We have an email from Mickey who says, Hi, Mother, Mer- Hi, Mother excuse me. <clears throat> can you tell me if there are any Protestants or especially any Protestant sects that actually respect our Mother Mary? Well, I could tell you, dear Mickey, um, in the uh, day of the Reformation, Luther and Calvin and Zwingli respected our Mother Mary. They prayed the rosary. They believed in her um, immaculate conception. All of that. Uh, but those Protestants who have uh, evolved from them don't even know what their Reformation fathers believed. She says it gets so discouraging hearing or seeing Protestants disrespect Our Lady. So it would be nice to know that there are some who do try to respect her, even if they do not have the fullness of truth like us Catholics. The only thing I could suggest is that you look at the highest sect of the Lutherans, which is, I believe, the Wisconsin Synod. They are the most conservative and see what they believe. Um, 
uh, of the Lutherans. It's the Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know of other Protestant sects or denominations uh, that might respect Our Lady. If you go back to the Reformation, you'll find many. But uh, we are 1,500 years away from that. And Lutherans and other forms of Protestants no longer believe what their Protestant founders believed. So um, I, I don't know that. But, um, um, but I would start with the Wisconsin Synod Lutheran Church and see where they're at with the Blessed Mother. Okay. God bless all of you. Um, and we shall, God willing, be with you tomorrow. You are welcome to email uh, between now and tomorrow, whatever's on your heart, toll-free. Um, well, email is always toll-free. It's uh, mother at the mother. No, I'm not thinking straight. Mother at the station of the cross.com. Mother at the station of the cross.com. And if you're in the market for two brand new or one brand new mobile homes, uh, email me uh, from motherofisraelshope.org. Speak with you tomorrow, God willing. God bless you.